Hello, my beautiful friends. I am Laurel Bleedin Maffei with Illuminating Souls, welcoming you to this episode of Sleepy Bedtime Blessings, a podcast designed to help you rest, relax, and fall asleep, all while deepening in your connection with your beautiful team of angels who love you so. If we're meeting for the first time, I am an angelic practitioner, a spiritual teacher, and an encourager of souls. And I do this through one-on-one angel sessions, soul mentoring, and a variety of classes designed to inspire your spirit. And you can learn more at my website, illuminatingsouls.com, where you also can sign up for my daily inspiration email blast, and I will send you an inspiring email every weekday. But for now, the angels and I are here to help you come into a lovely state of rest. And I want to say to you, happy anniversary. And you might wonder, what am I talking about? Well, my friends, December 1st, 2022 marks the first anniversary of my podcast, Sleepy Bedtime Blessings. And so it's our one year anniversary of coming into this sanctuary for sleep together. And I want to thank you for listening and being a part of our Illuminating Souls family. This podcast spoke to me for quite a while before I finally got up the energy to create it. And many of you have heard the story before, but I will share it here with you again, especially if you're new to the podcast. I have been using sleep podcasts myself as part of my self-care routine for years, and I love the genre so much. And I started contemplating that I wanted more, that it didn't seem like there were enough sleep podcasts out there because... Sometimes I would look to try and find just the right episode that I was longing for one of the evenings when I would fall asleep. And there were so many different kinds out there. Some of them were storytelling where people would tell you stories from their lives. Some of them would read books that were in public domain Some would do meditative journeys. And I loved the variety of the sleep podcast genre. And I was guided to add my voice to the community. And last fall, the soul whispers got louder. And the thing was, though, The idea of recording content to me felt like the easy part because that's something that's in my wheelhouse, sitting in front of a microphone or a camera and teaching or talking. That comes easily to me. I know that's not in everybody's wheelhouse, but for me, that part was the easy part. The technology part also wasn't terribly intimidating my wonderful friend Andrea Share a few years ago had taught a podcasting class upon request. I had asked her if she would teach a class about podcasting because she has a wonderful podcast that I love and I wanted to learn from her. So she offered this great podcasting class and taught a lot of the technology needed right? How to find a hosting company for your podcast. I had learned how to edit on a program called Audacity, which is a free program, which is fairly easy to learn how to use. 
And several years earlier, I had purchased a Blue Yeti microphone because I thought at some point I would podcast. So it was just sitting here in my office. So all of that felt easy to me. The part that felt really hard was marketing it because I just didn't have the energy for it. It's not that it's really hard work. It's just it wasn't in vibrational alignment for me to start up new social media channels and create new marketing content to try to get the word out about the podcast. So my agreement with the angels was, you know what, I will record it and I'll announce it to my audience and whoever listens, listens. I'm not going to dive into launching it and marketing it because I just didn't have the bandwidth for it. And truth be told, I still don't. But the loveliest thing has happened over the past year. You have found your way to this podcast. And the cool thing about an adventure like this is adventures unfold and they reveal more of ourselves to ourselves and they teach us as they go. So when I started this podcast, I did not realize that sharing my stories with you was going to be such a big part of it. But truth be told, this year of 2022, I have fallen deeply in love with the art of storytelling and story sharing. And I've started facilitating a wonderful class called The Power of Your Voice, which has morphed into the Soul Stories Guild, where we gather together and share our stories with each other. And I get to share stories with you. And it has truly become a great joy of my life that I didn't even know was available to me until I started this podcast. The other thing that has been revealed to me is the wondrous experience of hearing how you utilize this podcast. Right, I've heard from some of you that this podcast helps you fall asleep, which was its original intention. And I've heard from those of you who listen during the day because you enjoy the stories and the energy with the angels and it keeps you company as you go for your walk or putter around the house or work on your creative projects. And I love the intimacy that is being created through our podcast. I love the emails, the notes that you send me about how certain themes or topics resonate for you. And I don't know about you, but for me in life right now, this kind of intimacy is so beautiful. I I'm self-employed and I work out of my house. I'm blessed to live with my husband. I have lovely friends. I have a lovely intimate community of people who participate in my classes and I get to spend time with them. But I really miss the intimacy of sharing ordinary everyday life with a community. And I feel like some of that is being created in our podcast family. Even if I don't hear from you, I know that you're here. And so I get to come into the blanket fort and broadcast and send you love. And in the sending of this love and sharing whatever I share with you, I can feel the vibrational intimacy that we are cultivating together. So happy anniversary, my beautiful friend. Thank you so much for 
allowing me the opportunity to spend this time with you. Your time is valuable and that you are choosing to listen to this message. I am deeply honored. Thank you so much. You have carried me through a really magical experience with this podcast. You know, when I started, I committed to 100 episodes and a year. That was my agreement with myself and with the angels because I knew I didn't want to stop part of the way through because I lost my judge. <laughs> I lost my energy or I was disappointed by the results. I remember listening to an episode of the Sleep With Me podcast by Andrew Ackerman that he did several years ago. And he had shared that when he was starting his podcast, he had committed to doing it for three years. He heard somewhere that it could take up to three years for a podcast to find its audience. And he was doing three episodes a week. So I thought, well, I'll do two episodes a week and I'll commit to a year. And I don't commit to anything for that long. I am definitely spontaneous and I follow inspiration, but this just felt right. And I'm so glad I did. And I'm not going to stop. Don't worry. Just because I've hit my year mark doesn't mean that this is over. I think we're just getting started. I love getting to come to the blanket fort and share this time and this space with you. And I have more stories to share. I thought I would run out of stories by now. (laughs) But they keep flowing. And I still love reading books to you. I love going through old magazines and cookbooks with you. It is such a joy to get to share with you. So as we celebrate together, I also want to encourage you that if there is a creative dream that has been whispering to you, to go for it. You have my support. And let it be easy. It doesn't have to be complicated. One of the things that I have learned over the years is to look at where I overcomplicate things. Because I want them to be perfect. I want to do things the way other people do things. And the truth is, more often than not, I just don't have the energy for it. I really have to modulate how I use my energy and life force in the world. So this part of podcasting, this is the easy part. I just talk to you from my heart and then you listen. Isn't that wonderful? And the love comes flying through and the part that I still don't have a ton of energy for is the marketing of it. And so if you are at all inclined to help, Don't worry, you don't have to market my podcast for me, but maybe tell a friend. Maybe you have a friend or two that you think might enjoy this odd mashup of conversation. So if each of you share this with a friend or two, our audience will grow. So how's that for an agreement? Just if that resonates for you, no pressure. That would be awesome. And really, I'm just so grateful you're here. I love you so much, even if we've never met. And the angels are here and they love you too. And I'll call them in so that we can participate in the ritual of the angelic invitation together. So I invite you to close your eyes and get comfortable in your body. And if you are preparing for bed, you'll just cozy on in and snuggle on up. Or cozy on up and snuggle on in, whichever is your preference. 
and we'll call ourselves forward into the heart of God. And beautiful angels on high, I invite you to join us here, and I am so deeply grateful, angels, for your invitation that you sent out into this universe for each one of us to help co-create this beautiful, light-filled sanctuary, to support each one of our beloveds in activating even more of their well-being. And angels, thank you for the miracles that you are seeding upon each of our respective paths. And angels, I ask that you bring forward waves of healing, waves of inspiration, waves of blessings, and waves of goodness. So dear ones, just take some nice deep breaths in, allowing the beauty of this moment to flow to you now. You are a blessing upon this earth. This world is better because you are here. Just take a deep breath in, and even if you do not know how or why this is true, Just know that it is. My heart is filled with so much love for you. Not only my own heart's love, but the love that the angels have for you is flowing through now. So our invitation to you is simply to receive. To connect with the wisdom and the magnificence of your spirit. To know that you are a beloved child of God. To know that right here and right now, sparks of inspiration and portals of opportunity are flowing to you. And all you have to do is receive. So take some more nice deep breaths in, allowing your body to relax as a wave of love flows all around you. Filling the room that you are in with a soft pink light. And even though you cannot physically see it, perhaps, allow yourself to imagine it in your mind's eye or simply know that this beautiful light is with you now. And this light infuses blessings upon your home, wherever your home is. May you feel the blessings of home. Home is such a powerful concept. And even if you are dwelling in a place that may not feel like home, right now the angels are going to bring to you a vibrational elixir of home energy, the beauty of home the loving of home, the expansiveness and the sanctuary of home flows to you now, bringing healing to your heart and loving to your spirit. Take another deep breath in, just allowing yourself to listen to my voice and the rhythm of the words. And if your intention is to drift off to sleep, to know that you have my blessing in doing so, I promise not to share anything so important that you need to stay awake. You can drift off 
and the angels will watch over you. And if you're not quite ready for sleep, it's okay. Because I'm going to tell you a story. So in addition to this being the one year anniversary of this podcast, it is also the 15th anniversary of my husband and I buying the house that we live in now. And it's interesting that the angels were bringing forward the vibrational elixir of home because a house isn't always a home. It can take a while for the place where we are dwelling to feel like home. And so I thought I would share with you the story of our house and how we came here and the journey of it ultimately becoming our home. And this story has a lot of twists and turns. I don't know that I will describe them all to you. There isn't enough time. But I wanted to share with you just a really sweet and funny snippet from the show, The Good Place. I don't know if you ever watched it. It was a brilliant show. And Ted Danson, who is the big kahuna of The Good Place, is trying to teach the other characters about how time and life work. And he has a big paper easel out and he says, okay, this is how a lifetime works or something like this. I might be getting it wrong. This is how I remember it. This is how your timeline works in life. And in huge cursive script, he writes the name Jeremy Barami. <laughs> and Barami is spelled with an I. And I'll tell you why that's important. So he points to this giant script, Jeremy Barami, and he says, this is life. And everyone looks really confused. He says it doesn't go in a straight line. It loops around and it comes back on itself. And it looks like the name Jeremy Barami. And one of the characters asks, what's the dot over the I? And he goes, oh, that's Tuesday. (laughs) It's a really funny snippet. And I actually think it is a genius way to describe life because it is not a straight line. We loop around, we make a decision, we move forward, and then we take four steps back and something else is revealed. And I feel like that has really been the journey with this house and all that it represents in my life. So here is the story of our house, which is now gratefully our home. So when I met my husband, I was living in Los Angeles, and I loved my life in Los Angeles. I loved who I was as L.A. Laurel. I was very involved in the University of Santa Monica's community. I'd had a lot of friends. You know, I had lived in L.A. for many, many years, so I had a a depth of social circle with lots of people I loved. I had a wonderful social life. And I loved Los Angeles. It's an amazing place to live in a city where so many of the best and brightest who have big dreams leave their respective hometowns to try to become an actor or a writer or a producer or whatever their dream is. I experienced Los Angeles as a very vibrant place to live, where anything was possible. When I met Wes, I was living in a two-bedroom apartment that I wasn't crazy about, but it was rent-controlled, and it was in a neighborhood that I liked. But truth be told, the apartment had started squeezing me out, and here's what I mean by that. 
the neighborhood started getting really loud and crowded. It was an old apartment, but not one of those cool old apartments with a lot of character. It was like a cracker box. And it had these old louvered windows. I've heard someone call them jalousy windows. And because the building was so old, they never quite closed all the way. And the block that I lived on had a lot of other apartment buildings. And so I was forever hearing my neighbors, not only the neighbors of my apartment, but also the apartment building next door. And at some point, someone moved to the apartment upstairs from me and we had opposite schedules. So they would be up at 2.30 in the morning and they had dogs. So I would be trying to sleep and I would hear their conversations and the thump thump upstairs. And so I don't want to make it sound like the place that I was living in Los Angeles was wonderful, but I loved my life in Los Angeles. But I had started to feel a little squeezed in where I was living. And yet, I wasn't planning on moving anytime soon because it was a rent-controlled apartment, which they're not easy to come by. And I loved my neighborhood. And as I was calling forth my beloved, I had a plan. And my plan was he had to live on the west side of L.A. That's where I lived. And I wasn't even willing to go to the valley to date someone. And if you know anything about Los Angeles traffic, you will understand why I decided that, because I would have spent most of my life in the car driving back and forth in traffic. So I wanted a West Side beloved. But God had other plans, and I met Wes, and that's a whole story for another day. But when I met Wes, I knew who he was. I knew he was my person. And he lived up here in the Napa area. And he had kids. And he had a job up here. And I loved him and still do. So the first few years of our relationship, I still lived in Los Angeles and he still lived up here. And we flew back and forth on the weekends. It was very expensive, but it worked. He was able to be a part of my life in Los Angeles. He wound up attending the University of Santa Monica as well. He also became an angel therapy practitioner. So it allowed us to share a lot of community, a lot of heart, a lot of joy. So our connected life in Los Angeles was just lovely and filled with a lot of friends and connections. And when I would come up here to visit him, we would also have a great time. You know, we just loved being together. So in 2006 was when I launched Illuminating Souls. And my financial life had shifted a little bit. And somewhere in the fall of 2007, we started talking about looking for a house up here. I wasn't ever going to ask Wes to move to Los Angeles. It wasn't practical because his kids trump everything, right? We, we should live where his children are. And, and I was in complete alignment with that, that that's the most important thing. And I'm so grateful that we have lived up here. And we also wanted to live close to his work so he didn't have much of a commute. So I didn't really know neighborhoods up here the way I know Los Angeles, but we were working with a realtor. And this would have been the fall of 2007. And the thing to remember was the housing market had just started to decline. It wouldn't go through the big crash until the spring of 2008. But when we started looking In the fall of 07, prices had already started to decline. We knew that we wanted an older house with character. So here's where the next really important part of the story comes in. 
I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because, um, <laughs> this cracks me up. Um, I had watched a lot of HGTV. And therefore, I thought I would be really good at fixing up a house. I don't know what I was thinking because there is very little overlap between enjoying watching something on television and actually participating in the activity. Why that didn't occur to me, I have no idea. But I would watch these HGTV shows and very attractive people who did not sweat a lot would take sledgehammers and knock down walls and then reframe them and put up wallboard and paint them in a half an hour show. (laughs) And I was thinking, I could do that. Yeah, I'm crazy. I don't know why I thought that. And, you know, over the years, I had refinished like a little hope chest. And when I say refinished, it was unfinished to start with. So I didn't even have to strip it. I'd bought it at a furniture store. And then I painted it. I like whitewashed it. And then I used some darker brown paint to kind of, um, you know, antique it a little bit with a little bit of a gold zhuzh on the edge. And, and so of course I would be fantastic at fixing up a house. (laughs) It's absurd when I say it out loud. It's like me watching Survivor thinking, oh yeah, I'd be great on that show. Like there's no overlap between my physical world capabilities and what I like watching on television, which of course makes perfect sense now. But way back in the fall of 2007, I was under the illusion that I would be a good partner to Wes in fixing up a house. I I can't even believe that that's what I thought. But, you know, we live and learn, right? (laughs) So we're looking at houses. And the truth was we bought as much house as we could afford, which wasn't a lot back then. The Bay Area is very expensive. And we wound up looking in one of the most affordable areas for our home because, again, we wanted to be close to his kids and to his work. So we started looking at houses. and. All of them were fixers because that's what we could afford. And we wanted something with character, right? Oh, we wanted something with good bones, as if I knew what that meant, because I had watched a lot of HGTV. And I loved all the flipper programs because flipping was very big back then. And if you if you don't know what that means, it's when somebody buys a house that's a fixer, and they fix it up, and then they resell it for a lot of money. So those were flipper homes. So we're looking at all these different houses that were in our price range, and all of them needed some level of work. And we came upon this house, which was in really bad shape. It had been neglected. It was a foreclosure. And the bank owned it and they hadn't done any cleanup to this house other than clearing things out when we first saw it. But in my mind, the house had character. It had a wood-burning fireplace, which I had wanted. It had coved ceilings, even though there was popcorn um, on the ceilings. And I don't know if what they call this outside of the U.S., but it's a type of coating that's bubbly, that goes on the ceilings. I think it's supposed to help acoustics or something like that, but it's really unattractive. And there was this filthy, dirty carpeting on the floor, but we pulled it back and saw that the floors underneath were these gorgeous parquet hardwood floors with French curl around the border. And so I thought, this is a great house for us good bones, and we could afford it. And my husband just wanted to make me happy. He's such a good guy. He wanted to make me happy. And so I was excited about the house. 
So he got excited about the house, and it was in our price range. And some weird things happened with the appraisal and the bank, and we probably should have backed out, but we didn't, and so we got this house. But this house needed a lot of work. So it was really dirty. Whoever had lived here before had smoked like a chimney, so everything was covered in nicotine. And it's now an empty house, and we have 30 days to fix it up before my husband has to be out of his apartment. And we're doing this on the weekends. So we have one piece of furniture in the house. It is a cold gray metal folding chair. So my tasks were to wash the walls in the kitchen and the laundry room and one of the bedrooms to paint the kitchen and the laundry room to lay linoleum tile down in the kitchen and to not only wash the walls in the bedroom, but to take down the gross, disgusting wallpaper in there so that we could paint the walls. Well, you know, my pals on HGTV make this look so easy. Completely disregarding the reality of my connection with manual labor. I don't like it, and I'm not good at it and my body hurts, and I get crabby and overwhelmed. So, so, poor Wes, because I get started in the kitchen, and I'm in way over my head, and he's working on, I think at that point he was working on refinishing the floors in the bedroom and the bonus room, which would become my office, We only had enough money to pay a professional to refinish the hardwood floors in part of the house. And we had to do the other part of the house. Um, You know, that's what it is working on a budget, right? We had enough money to clean stuff and paint and refinish some of the hardwood floors, but we would have to do the others. So I just remember working in the kitchen feeling so overwhelmed. And I would sit on this little metal chair and cry. I would take a cry break. (laughs) It was so, so dramatic. I was like, well, I got to get this done. So I would wash a wall. I would paint a wall. And then I would sit down and I would cry. I was like, who thought this was a good idea? This was a terrible idea. And, and that's how I wound up making my way through the kitchen. And I still can't get over that I laid down this linoleum tile by myself. Just again, I would take these cry breaks. I would just cry and sit on the one chair in in our empty, cold shell of a house that smelled like an ashtray. And And then when I had to try and go and get the wallpaper off, that was a total cry fest for me because it was so hard and it didn't want to come down and I had to reach and I had to bend and it wasn't like HGTV. (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know that it is not as easy to fix a house as they make it look like on HGTV? There should be a warning, right? You know, in the side mirrors on our cars where it says objects, may seem closer than they appear or whatever it says, HGTV should come with a warning. This is not as easy as we're making it look. (laughs) It's really, really hard. And because we had no furniture, it was December and it was cold, but not horribly cold. And We didn't really know what restaurants were around here because we were new to this city, even though we were still kind of close to where Wes worked. I I didn't know my way around for sure. And there was this one restaurant where you could go get burritos, chicken burritos. And I would get us these huge chicken burritos and we would sit outside on our stoop and eat our burritos for dinner. 
And the neighbors across the street had a sunroom on their second floor and they had a Christmas tree and Christmas lights. And so at night it would be lit up like a home. And meanwhile, our house, which was not yet a home, was cold and dirty and needed a lot of work. And so we would sit on the stoop and eat our burritos and just look longingly at the Christmas lights across the street, thinking, someday this will be a home. Someday this will be comfortable for us. So we somehow made it through those 30 days so that Wes could finally move in. Because, you know, when you're moving out of an apartment, you need to be out by a certain day. But I just remember crying a lot and being really, really overwhelmed. And I will forever have that vision of that gray metal folding chair and how cold it felt on my behind as I sat on it and cried, but still had to keep going. It's like I said to myself, you can cry, but still keep working. And... It was a really, really rough transition. So even once we got the house somewhat together, it would be years before we had the financial resources to get everything fixed up the way we wanted it to be. We weren't in a position to rip everything out and upgrade it. It would have to be done little by little, which is how most people work, right? When you move into a home that's not brand new, everything the way you want it to be. Most people do little by little, and that's what we wound up doing. The The most that we really could do at the time was to refinish the floors and paint the walls. Like that we could do. So Wes moved into the house, and I was still living in Los Angeles at this point, but I got a roommate who took over the bulk of the apartment and we kept a bedroom there because we were still going down to Los Angeles once a month to volunteer at USM, the University of Santa Monica. And I will tell you, I had the hardest time acclimating to life up here. I feel like it's important to share that with you because You know, on the journey of co-creation, we always love to share our happy stories, right? Like I took a leap of faith and then the universe met me and it was awesome. Like we love those stories, right? But how about the times we take leaps of faith and we land in an experience that is like Jeremy Baramy? My experience (laughs) moving to our city into this home was definitely Jeremy Baramy. What I discovered, again, that I hadn't really thought through was I loved my life in Los Angeles. I loved who I was. It was a huge part of my identity. There's a really interesting modality called human design, which I won't get into too much here, and I'm not the right person to teach about it, but It talks about how we have different archetypes, I will call them energetic archetypes, and it's based on the time you were born and where you were born, so similar to astrology. And what I came to learn was that I am what is known as a projector. The archetype that I embody is a projector. And for those of you who do human design, please forgive my very pedestrian reflection on what a projector is. But projectors typically don't create using their own energy. They do best working with the energy of others. So for me, I thrive when I am in a beautiful heart-centered community, when I have friends, when I have a social structure, when I am with others who know who I am and who understand me and can hold a space for me, I thrive. And when I moved up here, I lost all of that. I mean, I still had connections, 
But talking on the phone with someone is very different than participating in a vibrant community with them. So I moved up here, and the only person I really knew was Wes. And I discovered I didn't know who I was. I mean, I did. That sounds, maybe that sounds very dramatic. But I felt like I was not a vibrational match to the city that we moved to. It's nothing bad about this city. It is probably like most other towns and cities in the U.S., right? It is a lovely place and a not-so-lovely place, right? It's a mixed bag, very diverse community. But I really missed the vitality of Los Angeles. I missed driving to the beach. I missed the grocery stores where I used to shop. I missed my friends. I missed being able to call up a friend spontaneously saying, hey, you want to meet up for a cup of coffee? And then meeting them because I didn't have that here. So it was a really weird time. I still was very uncomfortable living up here. And I was very sad. I was really grieving my life in Los Angeles. And you know, the truth is, so it's been 15 years, and I've never replicated the kind of social group that I had in LA. I have lovely friends up here. But because I work from home, and I'm not involved in a physical community, you know, like a school or an office, I've never really been able to replicate the depth of social support that I had in LA. And for many years, I would really fantasize about what my life would have been like had I stayed in Los Angeles. I would still be with Wes. It wasn't about not being with him. But I thought at times that I might try and go back and get an apartment or something down there so I could be down there part of the time. But an interesting thing happened. I wound up going back down there. I think it was around 2014 or 2015. And I was like a fish out of water. I don't know what had changed, but I remember calling Wes. I was on Beverly Drive in Beverly Hills, which was a place I had always gone because I had lived just a few blocks from there. And I was crying on the phone to Wes. And I said, I don't belong here anymore. I don't know what's changed. This is, this is not where I belong anymore. And I want to come home. And it was one of the first times that I had this realization that somehow my life up here had become home. And I don't know exactly when that happened. I really resisted falling in love, even falling in like with where we live now. I remember early on, I was at a friend's house. She was having a, a gathering and I was complaining about where I lived. I said, I, I don't like living here. And she said, yet. I said, what do you mean? She says, you don't like living here yet. The yet is important. And I was like, I guess so. I don't like living here yet. The yet almost felt like a prayer. It almost felt like, you know, like a prayer, like, oh, please, God, let there be light at the end of this tunnel because I was struggling so much with living here and my life here, and the rhythm of life here. I loved living with Wes. That part was glorious. But this house was still difficult for me, and the city that we lived in was difficult for me. And so I'll share with you a really sweet moment when I started looking at things differently. It would take a long time, just so you know. It's not as if, you know, six months passed and then I was happy. 
it would be years of struggling with this concept of living here and where do I belong. And it's not that I was holistically unhappy in my life. My life has been lovely in so many ways. But the vibrancy that I felt living in Los Angeles of who I was and I was on purpose and I had my people and I had my community wasn't replicated up here. So ever since we've moved into this house, I have worked from home. So this office that I'm in that you will see on my videos has always been my office, even though it has changed over the years. So part of that change happened because we had mold in the house back in 2016, which was a horrible experience. Seriously, it used to be when I somebody would say, yeah, we had mold, I would like try to be empathetic and go, oh, I'm so sorry. But once we went through it, I'm like, oh my God, I am so sorry <laughs> for you. It's so hard. And we were dealing with insurance company and contractors and everything else. And I called the Agape Prayer Ministry because I needed someone to pray for us. I was so overwhelmed. And I share more about that story. If you go to all my sofas episode, I share more about that experience. So I call the Agape Prayer Ministry, which is phenomenal. If you are looking for somebody to do a prayer treatment for you, for you, it's the Agape Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. And you can either email them or call them and a practitioner will pray for you, which is the loveliest thing ever. So I'm in complete overwhelm and I don't feel well, and we're having to remediate our whole house, and we're stripping the old paneling out of my office and stripping it down to the studs. It just was so much. Again, now I've learned in physical world reality, I am not good at redoing a house. Maybe in the astral realm, I'm awesome at it, but I am no Chip and Joanna Gaines. I promise you. So I'm overwhelmed. And I call for this prayer treatment and this beautiful practitioner gets on the phone with me and she starts praying. And she starts saying things like, right where you are, God is. And right now the angels are flooding your office. They are flooding your home with light, with love, with goodness, with grace, with miracles. And in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, they're angels. (laughs) So this is going to sound really weird. But when I am in overwhelm, I forget about the angels. And in that moment, I had forgotten that I had spent thousands of hours calling in the angels in my office and in my home, in the work that I do. I had done sessions, I had done classes. And when she said that, the angels are flooding your home. I'm like, that's right. Yeah, that's right. The angels, (laughs) the angels, they moved into this house with us. And you know what is so sweet? That when we first looked at this house at the end of 07, there were ceiling fans installed. And there were these porcelain pulls on the chain to the ceiling fan that said, angels gather here. That was one of the signs that we thought caused us to buy this house. And I had forgotten that when we moved into this house, the angels moved into the house too. And in that moment, in that prayer, something opened for me. And I don't want to say ever since then, but certainly after that, when my office was remodeled, and it's beautiful now. I love my office. And, you know, we've updated other parts of the house as well over the years. This is our sanctuary. This house is filled with so much love. And I remember many years ago, before I met Wes, when I was going through my awakening, I would pray to one day live in a house filled with love. 
that the love was circular, that it flowed and flowed and flowed. And that is now our home. So even though this house was really hard for me to learn to love, this home loved me. And now when we travel, I can't wait to get back here because the vibration of this home is sanctuary for me. This is a home filled with so much love. The love of my husband, our joy in our life together, the things that we love, the people that we love when we get together, even though most of the time we do that outside now. And all of you, I have worked from home all these years in this office. And so there is a beautiful frequency of love that has filled the walls of our house over the years to help make it a home. So this is our 15-year anniversary of our house. And I've also, over the years, come to, I don't want to say love. I don't love the city where I live, but I like it. (laughs) Because love is how I felt about LA when I lived there. Like, I loved living there when I lived there. But I like where I live. I'm 60 years old, so things like having Costco two miles away from me is awesome. I can go to Costco whenever I need to, and it's not too crowded. All I have to do is drive 20 miles north of me and I am in beautiful Napa, California where I can go to my Whole Foods and my Trader Joe's. I have cousins who live in San Jose who I get to see. I have lovely friends that I get to visit with every once in a while. Nature is gorgeous around here. We have lovely neighbors. I always think about how we lucked out on the block that we moved on to. Our neighbors are wonderful, and I love the block that we live on. And so that is my Jeremy Barramy reflection on the journey that we have had with this house. It's filled with a lot of love. And I think at the end of the day, that has to be the most important thing. And over the years, we've been fortunate enough to fix it up. But I will never forget those cold, sad days in December of 2007, when I would sit on that metal folding chair and cry as I painted. And for the really hard years that would follow, as I felt really lost from the decision to move here. And who was I if I wasn't in my life in Los Angeles? You know, as the projector, as I was sharing before, I don't even know if I resolved that storyline, but I thrive when I am in heart-centered community, and it is much harder for me when I am on my own. And even though I had Wes here, When I moved here, I was really on my own with Wes, but I did not have community, which I am somebody who thrives as a result of community. So over the years, I think my Illuminating Souls family has certainly become community. Many of you have become personal friends. And my family and friends who live elsewhere, we stay in touch, and I'm so deeply grateful for you as well but especially for those of you who knew me before I moved here and you wonder what happened to me. That's what happened. I Jeremy Baramied it. I moved into a house that was hard to love. I moved to a city that did not feel like home. And I felt lost for quite a while. But I found my way. And here I am now, all these years later, in a life that feels lovely. And so, if you're feeling a bit lost with where you are right now, 
you might just be in one of the loops of the Jeremy Barami train and you'll find your way. I did. I still do. Listen, I still feel lost from time to time. We all do. But if we just stay with it somehow, life meets us where we are. So I send you blessings of home, whatever that means to you. A home filled with love for you. I send you the essence of sanctuary where you feel supported and safe and held in the light of the divine. So thank you so much for allowing me to share the story with you, to share a little bit of my journey, to share the anniversary of our podcast and also anniversary of our home, Wes and my home together. It's a lovely time to reflect on where life brings us. So here's to continuing our adventures together, my beautiful friends. We'll see where it takes us. So you rest well. I love you very much and I am deeply grateful for you. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you.